Amen. We've uh, used uh, kind of as a theme for this series this verse that I saw on a friend's uh, on a poster at their house uh, last week, and uh, I, I just uh, keep coming back to it because I think it describes the kind of adventure that I hope that we are in for in these next few weeks. Romans eight fourteen from the message says, "God's Spirit beckons. There are things to do, and places to go. This resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave tending life. It's adventurously expectant." Greeting God with a child like, what's next, Papa? God, what is next in my life? Uh, Father, what is next for our church? Last week we began this adventure in faith through our all-in program. And uh, I am adventurously expectant about what God is going to do in our lives and in our church over these next few weeks. In fact, I received a real encouragement this week. Uh, we received in the mail, Crosspoint did this week, a check from one of the missions that we support for $1,000. Uh, it was their way of saying, hey, we want to kind of get things rolling with your all-in uh, program. And so they gave us a gift of $1,000 uh, to get us moving forward with all-in. And that was really encouraging to me. I believe God is going to be up to some very adventurous things. And I'm excited to see how He works over the course of these next few weeks. Today, I want to talk about uh, a very important element in this adventure of faith that we all live out in our lives every day. A pilot told me this story this week. Uh, it, it seems that uh, a pilot and a pastor showed up at the pearly gates of heaven at the same time. And uh, they were greeted by St. Peter and he said, Hey, welcome. We've been expecting you. Good to see both of you. To the pilot, he, he first had a conversation with him then and he said, Hey, welcome. It's so good to see you. Look, uh, here is a nice silk robe for you to wear here in heaven and a golden scepter. And, and that, that big mansion up on the hill there, that is all yours. Welcome to heaven. The pilot was thrilled, headed off. Well, the pastor thought, if the pilot got that, what's gonna, what, what am I going to receive? And he, uh, Peter turns his attention to the pastor and says, well, here is a, here's an old cotton robe for you to wear and a wooden stick. And uh, you see that little place down there at the bottom of the hill? Uh, that's your place. And the pastor's like, I, I don't understand. Well, why did he get all that and I'm getting just this little bit? And the, Peter said, well, we work on results up here. He said, when you preached, people slept. But when he flew the plane, people prayed. Now, here's the question a lot of people want to ask. Does prayer really make a difference? According to the Journal of Reproductive Health, it does. They did a study of women who were battling infertility, and their chances of reproducing more than doubled when someone, even total strangers, were praying for them. In another study, people who were facing very difficult heart procedures, heart surgeries, their chances of doing well were significantly higher when there was a focused group praying for them. My friend David Stone is the pastor of a large church in Louisville, Kentucky. And uh, several years ago when his daughter, who is about the age of my boys, uh, was only nine years old, she was part of their Easter pageant production. And uh, they told everyone in the pageant, we want you to pray for someone who doesn't go to church that they'll come to the pageant. Well, Sadie decided she would pray for their next-door neighbor. Dave says, I wish she would have picked anyone else because I thought there was no way this lady is ever going to set foot in step, a step inside of our church. But Sadie prayed away every day for this lady to come. A couple of weeks later, Dave received a phone call from his neighbor, and she said, you know, my husband and I are having some real difficult marital problems. I don't know why I'm calling you, 
but I called to see if you could help. Dave said, I know exactly why you're calling. My nine-year-old daughter, Sadie, has been praying for you every day. He invited her to the pageant. She showed up on the last night of the pageant with her husband. When it was over, she wanted to meet Sadie. Sadie was so thrilled to meet her and to talk with her. Sadie kept saying, thanks for coming. Thanks for coming to the pageant. And the lady stopped her at one point and said, no, thank you for praying for me. Prayer really does make a difference. We don't have a prayer without prayer. Prayer ought to be as natural to us as Christ followers as breathing. And yet I think if we were honest, a lot of us across the room this morning would say, I wish my prayer life was better. I I wish it was more significant. I know for me. I, I keep trying to learn how to make how to allow God to do more in my life and for me to do less. And prayer has a way of impacting that part of our lives. So today I want to explore this. I want to explore a passage where Jesus models and teaches us how it is that we are to pray. And I want to take what Jesus teaches and models and apply it in two ways. First, I want to apply it to our personal faith adventure that we are all on for the rest of our lives. And secondly, I want to apply it to the all-in faith adventure that we are a part of for these next few weeks. So I hope you brought your Bibles as always. Would you find your way to Matthew chapter 6? Matthew chapter 6. Matthew is the first book in the New Testament part of your Bible. If you're using your smartphone or your iPad, that's great too. But open your Bible up and let's uh, read this together and listen to what Jesus uh, teaches here in Matthew chapter 6. This is part of uh, what's often called the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus has a It gives a long speech, a long talk, a lot of teaching all at one time to a crowd of people that are gathered. And in the midst of this, here's what he says, Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Jesus says there are these group of people and they pray just so everybody can be seen. And you know what? When people admire how well they can pray, good job, way to pray. Jesus says that's it. They've gotten their reward. That's not how I want you to pray. I want you to pray differently. And he begins to describe it for us. Now, there are some significant things about what Jesus says here. First of all, I would say Jesus says we ought to, there ought to be a time every day when we pray. Notice that, he doesn't, notice that he says when you pray, not if you pray. Jesus taught and modeled a daily rhythm of prayer in his life. Whether it's early in the morning or late in the evening or sometime in between, it doesn't matter. What matters to Jesus and what matters for our lives and our faith adventure is that we spend some time every day talking to God. That it becomes a healthy, growing habit in our faith adventure. Second thing I notice is what Jesus says. He says you ought to, you ought to find a place to go. Notice that he says, go into your room and close the door. That there ought to be some place that you go to pray, some place that will be a, a refuge for you, a place where you can really focus on God. You'll be free of distractions and you can just talk to God. And then he talks about this idea of babbling words, or maybe in your translation, if you're reading it, it may say vain repetitions. 
It's the idea of Jesus is warning us, don't just go through the mechanical motions of saying a bunch of words. Don't just use something that you've memorized or some formula. Pour out your heart to God. If you're struggling with something, tell God. If you're tempted by some sin, don't hide from God. If you are feeling defeated, let God know. If you are feeling shallow or distracted, tell God. Pour out your heart to Him. But bottom line, Jesus wants us to have a regular habit of spending some time every day that is devoted and set aside to having a conversation with Him. Now, you're tempted to maybe say, well, that's great, Jeff. Okay, so, you know, I, I go into my room, I shut the door, I have a time, I have a place. What do I say? What words are, am I supposed to say to the Creator of the universe? In fact, maybe you could relate your struggle to this. You're telling me Jews don't pray, honey? Unless you have some objection. No, 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 no. No, I'd love to. Pam, come on. It's not like I'm a rabbi or something. I said grace and many a dinner table. God, thank you. You are such a good God to us, a, a kind and gentle and accommodating God. And we thank you, oh sweet, sweet Lord of hosts, for the smorgasbord you have so aptly laying at our table this day and each day by day day by day by day oh dear lord three things we pray to love thee more dearly to see thee more clearly to follow thee more nearly Day by day. By day. Amen. Amen. Oh, Greg, that was lovely. <laughs> Thank you, Greg. That was interesting, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do we say? Well, as Jesus continues to teach here in Matthew chapter 6, he gives us some ideas about what it is that God wants to hear from us when we pray. And so if you've got a pen this morning, and to turn your weekly update on the back side, there's a place where you can take some notes. You, you may want to write down, because Jesus really identifies here five elements, five things that He wants us to talk about when we pray with God. And so uh, you've got to jot these down, and uh, these can become a, a guide for you that can help you if you struggle with, well, what do, I, what do I say to God? Jesus gives us some insight right here of these five elements. Here's the first one. It's in uh, verse 9. Jesus says, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed, be your name. Our prayer ought to begin with praise. It ought to begin by saying to God, God, here, here's what I'm thankful for. God, here, here's what I think of you. It's an opportunity for you to tell God how great He is. I mean, after all, 
He is the Creator of the universe and He is your Creator. And He deserves our praise. He deserves our honor. And it is a healthy way for us to start out by praying to acknowledge His greatness. Now, why start with praise? Because it puts the focus on God and His power and not on us and our abilities. And we get that messed up sometimes in life, don't we? And so when we begin with praise, it puts the focus back on God where it ought to to be. Now, you know what? Uh, in your personal faith adventure, I, I hope that you will take time to tell God what you're thankful for and to acknowledge His greatness in your life. As a church, we have so much to be thankful for, don't we? God has definitely guided our journey through these first almost six years. We have seen Him grow our church regularly. We have seen so many people decide to give their lives and their hearts to Jesus Christ as as their Savior. We've seen marriages healed. We've watched as people have reconnected with God. We've watched as our volunteer number of people volunteering with open hearts and generous hearts has grown dramatically. God has been at work and we have much, much to be thankful for. And I hope that over the course of these next few weeks during All In, that you will take some time to specifically say to God, thank you for what you've been doing in our lives and in our church. We honor You for that. That's the first thing. Secondly then, Jesus says we ought to make sure we have the right priorities. The right priorities. Look at the next verse, verse 10. Jesus says, Your kingdom come and Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We need to make sure we have the, the right priorities. Here, here's the most important question you can ask in prayer. What does God want? What does God want? What is important to Him? And Jesus says we ought to make sure that our priorities, our focus in life, line up with what is important to God. In fact, Jesus wanted to make this really clear. A little later in His talk, in verse 33 of chapter 6, He says this, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and He will give you everything you need. He says, put above everything else, seeking the kingdom of God, seeking what is important to our Heavenly Father. Now, what's important to God? Well, I know one thing that's very important to Him. One thing that is very important to God is that everyone in the world, including people in our city, would come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. And I would hope that as we pray, I hope that as you pray every day, you have somebody that you are praying specifically about as you're trying to point them toward Jesus Christ. And as a church, we need to be praying that God would change our city, that He would increase our impact in this community, that people in our city and the world and beyond would come to know God deeply. Listen, our All In campaign is about increasing our impact in this community. It is not about property or building. It is about having a tool that God will use and that we will be able to use to point people to Jesus Christ in even greater ways. So I hope that as you're praying, you're asking God to increase our impact in this community and in this region. And you're asking God to help us to point people into a relationship with Jesus Christ because that is why we exist. And that's what it's all about. That's why as, once we become a Christ follower, you realize that's why God leaves us here on earth? That is our primary focus. 
is to point people to Jesus Christ. Next thing he talks about in uh, verse 11. He says, give us today our daily bread. Next you pray for provision. Now, on a personal level, this moves us from the first two things to asking God for our needs and the needs of people that we care about. And you know what? God's okay with that. God's okay that we come to Him and we ask Him for healing and we ask for direction and we ask for help. That we pray trusting for God to provide for our daily needs. And so that ought to be part of your prayer life. Corporately, on a larger scope, in this all-in campaign, we are asking God to provide the resources that are necessary to pay for our new campus. And, uh, you know, here's something we need to understand about the way God works. When we start asking for God's provision, the first thing He usually asks of us is is to use what He has already given to us, to be willing to to sacrifice some of what He has already given us. And so as we're praying and asking God to provide the resources that are necessary for our new campus, the first thing I think God wants us to look at in our own lives is, what are you willing to do with what I've already provided you? Are you willing to sacrifice some of what I've already given you as you're asking me to provide for this need? And I hope you're praying about that and asking God every day, God, what do you what do you want us to do? What kind of sacrifice do you want us to be willing to make? Then look at verse 12. Jesus says, Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Jesus says we should pray for pardon. You know what this is about? This is about admitting that we've sinned and that we need God's forgiveness. And then it is trusting in His promise when He has said, I will forgive you when you ask. You know what, you know what happens when we sin? Our sin creates a gap between us and God. It's really clear how seriously God takes our sin very seriously. In fact, God takes our sin a lot more seriously sometimes than we do. Listen to what's written in Isaiah chapter 59. There we read these words. Listen, the Lord's arm is not too weak to save you, nor is His ear too deaf to hear you call. In other words, God hears you when you pray, and He can move to answer your prayer. But listen to what stands in the way sometimes. It's your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, He has turned away and will not listen anymore. You see, when we sin, it creates a gap in our relationship between us and God. And the wider that gap gets, the less consistent we become in praying and crying out to God. And you know what's true for a lot of us? We need to spend some more time in prayer asking for pardon, admitting our sin to God, and then working to eliminate it from our lives because God takes sin very seriously. And until we get to the point that we take sin in our lives as seriously as God does, He is not likely to work powerfully in the way that He could in our lives and in our church. One more thing that Jesus says we got to pray about in verse 13. He says, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Jesus says pray for protection. Listen, we are in a spiritual battle as Christ followers. And our enemy, the devil, wants to do anything, absolutely anything he can because he is very powerful. 
And He wants to do anything He possibly can to cause us to fail and to fall. Satan does not want us to experience something through all in where we see God work in a powerful way. He does not want us in our lives to experience things that grow our faith. Satan does not want our church to increase its impact in our community. Satan does not want us to have a tool like our new campus that will help to change people's lives. Satan does not want us to make a difference and point people to Jesus Christ. And so he will do absolutely anything that he possibly can to dishearten us, to disillusion us, to discourage us, to frustrate us. Listen, we are in a war and the fighting will be ferocious. I promise it will. Peg and I have already seen it in our lives. As we're already contemplating what God wants us to do in this faith adventure called All In. Satan's attacking. I mean, we've had some financial things that we didn't expect that have happened just in these last couple of weeks. I'm telling you, the war is on. It is. The battle is on. And you can just expect that as we try to really listen to God and we're asking Him to work in powerful ways in our lives, Satan is going to attack. Now you look at that a couple of ways. When Satan's on the attack in my life, part of me doesn't like it. And a part of me says, all right, good. Because that means I must be doing something that honors God and draws me closer to Him. Because Satan's all worked up. And I want to say sometimes, come on, battle's on. I'm clinging to God in this. But listen, every time that you take time to pray, every day, I encourage you, you need to pray for protection. You need to pray for protection from Satan's attacks and pray for victory over what He wants to do to stop us. So Jesus gives us a very simple pattern for prayer here. And sometimes we make it seem so complicated. But here's what Jesus so clearly taught about prayer. He just says, I want you to take some time every day. Have a regular rhythm of prayer every day in your life. And when you pray, it's simple. I just want you to spend some time praising God, asking for pardon, asking for protection, asking for provision, and trusting in me. He wants to work in powerful ways in our lives. Tim Elmore, in his book, Pivotal Praying, tells the story of a missionary who was home from serving in Africa. He was a medical missionary there and had a little small clinic out in a rural village. He was at home in America speaking to a church in Michigan, and as he was speaking, he was telling this story. He told of one day he, he made a, a, a journey to the nearby city. It would take him two days to get there by bike. He would go partway, camp overnight, and then go the rest of the way into the city to get supplies for their medical clinic. One of these trips in, he saw two guys who were fighting. One of them had been seriously injured. And so he, he kind of went over, broke up the fight, and began to treat this guy and take care of his wounds. When he had finished doing that, he got on his bike and headed back towards home. Stopped overnight and camped all by himself and then went on home. Two weeks later, it was time again for him to make his trip into the city and he bumped into this same guy that he had treated. And when he did, the guy said, you know, an interesting thing happened that day you treated us. He said, after I, I got feeling a little better, my friend and I decided we'd follow you because we knew partway back you would stop and camp out. And we had planned that we would follow you and when you started to camp out, we were going to attack you and rob you and take all the drugs. He said, but when we, when we got there and we were ready 
who attacked you said, we were quite shocked to see that you were being guarded by 26 men. The missionary protested and said, there wasn't anybody with me. I was all alone. The guy said, no, I didn't. it wasn't just me that saw it. My friends saw it too. We counted them. There were 26 people guarding you. As the missionary was telling the story in Michigan, a man stopped him and said, what day and time did that happen? And he described the day and the time. And he said, you know what? On that day, I was headed out to play golf. But something prompted me that I had to go to the church and pray for you. I called a bunch of my friends and they all came and we prayed specifically for you during that time. The missionary stopped him and said, would all those people who prayed stand up? Not because he wanted to see who they were, but he began to count them. And there were 26 men who stood. And they were the 26, in a sense, through their prayer that had been guarding him. Prayer does make a difference. Listen, though, if we don't pray in this faith adventure, if we don't pray in our personal adventure throughout our lifetime, it will, it will never be all that God calls us to be. And if we don't pray in this faith adventure called all in, it will fail. And this is far bigger than any of us. It absolutely demands and requires the power of God to be at work in and through us. So here's what I want to ask you to do. Personally, I want to challenge you to a lifetime of prayer. To pray every day for the rest of your life because it will increase your faith and allow you to live adventurously expectant lives. Specifically, I, I want to ask you to pray in three ways over the course of the next few weeks about all in. Number one, I want to ask you every day when you're having your personal prayer time to pray about all in. How does God want to use you? What does He want to do in your life? And how does He want to impact our church through this? Secondly, I want to ask you, when you get together with your life group each of the next few weeks, to take a few minutes in the midst of your life group to stop and just pray about all in and for the future of Crosspoint and how God wants to use us to change our city. And the third thing is, as Shelly mentioned, I want to invite you to participate in the 24-hour prayer vigil that will take place November 18th and 19th. 24 hours leading up to our Commitment Sunday on November 20th. Again, to just to stop and for a few minutes to say, God, I'm asking, what do you want to do in my life? And what do you want to do in our church? This is a faith adventure. And I am counting on God to work in our lives not just so we can raise a bunch of money. That's real, that is secondary. What I'm really counting on is God to work in our lives to grow our faith and to increase our desire to be like Him.